I'm glad you're back with me today. I hope that you're ready to continue our study of Daniel. We're talking about how God worked in wondrous ways to bring about the conversion and salvation of the rural ruler Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man in all the world of his day. And yesterday we saw the man himself, and we saw that he was the proud ruler, that he thought he was ultimate in everything, and God had to bring him down. It's amazing when we see how God brought this to pass. God first sought through merciful, off, off, uh, merciful ways to offer to the king the opportunity to see who he was and to see that he could surrender his life to him through Daniel, through the other three Hebrew boys, and through two separate dreams, he warned him, he called him, he convicted him, he dealt with him, but the king would not respond. He spoke of the greatness of God. He saw it when the three Hebrew boys didn't burn up in the fiery furnace. And he saw it in Daniel's life as Daniel was able to decipher his dreams. And he recognized that there was a, a powerful God in heaven, but somehow he did not see that he needed him. He did not see that he uh, should be the one who takes over his life. He felt that uh, God had a place, but that he didn't have the place. You see, God doesn't want a place. He wants the place in our lives as Lord. And like so many people today, Nebuchadnezzar gave God a place, and he even supposedly, according to the, these verses in the past several chapters, worshipped him some, recognized him some, acknowledged him some, but that was not what God wanted. God wanted more than that. You see, we have to come to that place where we do more than just give God a place. We have to give him his rightful place as the Lord of our lives. And he wouldn't do that. His pride was in the way. He admitted later that he had to be brought low. But God knows how to humble those who walk in pride. I'll guarantee you that. And that's what happened with Nebuchadnezzar. The man that thinks he stands, the Bible says, better take heed because he's about to fall. So God had to take a different kind of action with him. And God actually took away his mind for seven years. And that's what this dream was about that he had, that David uh, interpreted and told him actually what was going to happen before it happened. And it, it was kind of God's last warning, but he still did not heed that. And God had to bring it to pass. It was really not something horrible God did to him because he became like a wild animal and ate grass like a beast. That's how his mind was so messed up. But it was absolutely necessary if God's mercy was going to bring him to himself. He had to come to that point where he was desperate, and he had never been desperate. And when we come to the end of ourselves, we have to get there one way or the other, and God usually orchestrates some ways for us to get there and so that we will see our need of him. Now, Nebuchadnezzar suffered from a mental illness. Uh, some people, uh, some medical scientists call it like lycanthropy. And when the victim sees himself as an animal and wants to live like an animal, and that's what Nebuchadnezzar did for seven years, the Bible says. For seven years, he was, he was out of control. For seven years, his mind was not right. So God was working in all this to bring him to the place of surrender to himself. The potter had crushed the clay so that he could make it again. You see, God loves us so much that he's even willing to bring us that low so he can lift us up to where he wants us to be. 
And this seven years of mental anguish was a terrible lesson that you can't be your own God. Many of us are as stubborn and as hard and relentless as Nebuchadnezzar at times. We acknowledge God, but sometimes we really don't surrender to him. We say he's there, but he has a place, but not the place in our lives. If you remember in Acts when Paul and experienced the earthquake in the Philippian jail at midnight, God worked in the Philippian jailer's life. It took an earthquake to wake him up. And like Jonah on the ship to Tarshish, it took a storm to wake, it up, wake him up. Sometimes we have to be flat on our back before we ever look up. I want you to see, too, how amazing, uh, how, how he was amazingly transformed, how he, he really was different. Salvation is always a miracle, and every conversion is a miracle. It's an act of God when he comes into our lives and takes over. And that's why the Bible says, if anybody be in Christ, he's a new creation and old things are passed away and behold, all things are become new. As one man put it, the greatest miracle is that God could make a Christian out of our common clay. And that's true, but that's what he does. Look what happened to to Nebuchadnezzar. The king finally acknowledged his sin and his pride. The prophecy was you're going to have this insanity until you recognize that the most high God is ruler over the realm of mankind. He was told that three times in the prophecy by Daniel. And finally, he came to believe it. In verse 34, the Bible says he raised his eyes toward heaven and his reason returned. When he lifted his eyes and acknowledged that God was God and Lord and master and king over his life, then his mental illness disappeared and he came into a living relationship with God. That which he needed and that which was necessary for, was for, for his life was, was, happened when he recognized who God really is. He had to take the sinner's place. He had to take the sinner's position. He had to recognize that he was not God and that he was a sinner who needed the great God of heaven and earth. His bitter cruel, vindictive spirit was gone. And now he was a different kind of man than he had been before. A man who realized who he was and who realized who God was. Like the song, the the hymn that says, what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. That was what was happened. That was what had happened to Nebuchadnezzar. You see, before he praised Daniel and he praised the three Hebrew boys, and now he praises the God of Daniel and the God of the three Hebrew boys. He has a relationship with that God. I think we really need to see that when we come into our right mind, we get the right view and the right value, and we understand God and who he is and who we are. You remember in the parable Jesus told about the boy who rebelled against his father and went off and spent all his inheritance in terrible, sinful living and then came home broke and asked for his father. The Bible says he came to himself. That is, he really came to see things as they were, himself as he was, and his father as he was. And that's that's what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. He found something bigger than himself to live for, something bigger than himself and his mighty empire, something better to be committed to than his own pursuits, but to be a part of what God was doing in the world. 
And today, you and I, if we belong to Christ, we have that same concept. We have that same conviction that we are a part of something bigger than us, bigger than anything going on around us. And it's, it's a part of what God is doing. I hope you have a good day today. And I'll see you tomorrow or hear you. I'll talk to you tomorrow if you're with me.